Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services. As you know, this is just the camera is running. There is no editing. We just duplicate it and send it to you with all of the good and the bad and hopefully no ugly. (laughs) This is number two in the series, Washing of the Water by the Word. Now, let's see something very interesting here in Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Okay, now Jeremiah, no one would want to be Jeremiah today because he had to be one man against everybody. They were against him, and they plotted to kill him, and they plotted to to, uh, take his life away and threaten him, and they did a lot of things to him. And Jeremiah was a priest sent by God to warn Judah and Jerusalem and also the children of Israel of the impending destruction of Jerusalem. Now today, we see some things very similar happening in many places of the world. And I'm going to have to bring you an update on the city of Detroit because I think that will be very astonishing to you to find out what is happening there. But the thing that is almost unreal is that the people didn't believe him because everybody is used to everything the way that it is. And when people go their way, they're successful for a while. They get along for a while. But every activity of human life tends to sin. Every good thing that is started out ends up somehow in corruption. You can see that in religion. You can see that in politics. You can see it in education. You can see it in people's lives. Well, God made it so that we need to be redeemed. And part of the redemption comes by going to God, by following his word, by living the way that he wants us to live. Then in the New Testament, we find much more concerning salvation and conversion and overcoming. And so we'll talk about some of those things today. But let's pick it up here, Jeremiah um, Jeremiah 17, okay? And let's begin here in verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Always happens. Anyone who goes against the commandments of God, they pay the penalty and the price for sinning. And sin is a transgression of the law. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And the fountain of living waters is the source of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know in Revelation 22 that it shows that out from underneath the throne of God and the Lamb flows a river crystal clear of living waters. And this shows that for all eternity we will be receiving the Holy Spirit. So notice what he says here in verse 14. Here's what the living waters are to do because every experience in our life especially the wrong experiences, leaves an impact in our minds. It affects our emotions. It affects us in many, many different ways. Some people 
go into mental disease because of it. Some of them never recover from the shock of what they went through. I know every time I watch uh, a documentary on the veterans from World War II and Vietnam, and of course the Korean War, it's true at every war. When you see somebody next to you die, it makes a lasting impression upon you. You never, never, never forget it. And how about all of the survivors of 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 the uh, Holocaust that were rescued at the end of World War II. All that they went through. And and the human mind is, is very strange. It doesn't want to believe that what they hear about evil that is coming or that may happen, they somehow give an exemption for themselves. You know, a father or mother says to their son or daughter taking the car, be careful, drive slowly. Yeah, mom, you know, some people, you know, get killed if you're not watching what you're doing. And then hours later, they get a call from the police. Well, your son or daughter has been killed in a car wreck because somehow the human mind tricks itself. It's called the deceitfulness of the mind into believing that if you do something that is not right, it's not going to affect you. Somehow, you'll be able to get around it. See, Somehow, you won't be able to, to get caught. Okay? So let's come back here to, let's come back here to verse 9 now, to show the source of what human nature is. Now, human nature is a combination of good and evil. Human nature also has within it the law of sin and death. It's just automatic. Now, verse 9. Here's the source of all of it. The heart. That's the center of your thoughts and emotions is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In other words... No human being, aside from the Word of God and aside from God, can really understand what needs to be done to keep us going in the right direction and how to overcome the sins and problems that are with us. So let's examine a little bit more here of Jeremiah 17. Now, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. God knows every man, every woman in the world searches the heart. But he's given us free moral agency. He didn't make us automatons. He didn't make us so that that we're just like a machine. He's given us minds to think. He's given us emotions. He has given us the capacity of love, the capacity of reproduction. And all of these things are very tremendous blessings that God has given but every one of them can be used in a way that is evil. Okay? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins to give to each man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So everyone's life is going to be according to how you live it. And this is why when we come to God, repent, are converted, receive the Holy Spirit, 
then our minds need to be converted and changed. And that is a process. That's not something this just happens and it's all over. See? It's a process. And there are times when we do better and there are times when we don't do better. All right? Let's see what happens when they they forsake God. Come here to verse 1. Notice what happens when people dedicate themselves to evil. Now, the other day, they had a big arrest in New York City. They arrested over 100 mob members. And here are people dedicated to crime, dedicated to doing evil. And I I was thinking, this is very similar to another organization located in Italy, too, isn't it? Because the head of the mafia is called what? Godfather. Yes. Sound familiar? Okay. Now, here's what happened to the children of Judah. Once people give themselves over to evil, look at how God describes it when it reaches its its point of, of just unbelievable proportions. The sin of Judah is engraved with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond, and it is carved upon the tablet of their heart and upon the horns of their altars. Right down into the very depths of your being. Now you see, these things can be changed through repentance and the Spirit of God. So let's see what happens. We come down here to verse 5 now. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man that makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. You trust in a man. That can be yourself. It can be someone else. And God says, because of human nature, that's going to resort in a curse. Okay? For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but he shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land that is not inhabited. But notice verse 7. Here's the other side of the coin. This shows that there is hope. This shows that there is change. This shows that God will be with you if you turn to him. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. And of course, that's the fountain of living waters. It sends out its roots by the river and it shall not fear when the heat comes but its foliage shall be green, and he is not worried in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. So notice all the way through, if you read through all of Jeremiah 17, and you'll see this throughout the book of Jeremiah, he indicts them for sin, then holds out hope, shows them that they need to turn to God, shows them what's going to happen if they continue in the way that they are going. Okay, now, Let's come back to Acts, the second chapter, and let's see the turning point in your life, in turning to God. And everyone has to come to this point if they're seeking God, and if they're seeking God, they will come to this point. Acts, the second chapter. Acts 2. Okay. Now here, 
Among the people that were gathered at the temple on that day of Pentecost, there were those who participated in the mob of crucifying Jesus Christ. And so, they had blood on their hands. Now, think of this. Is there any sin that could be worse than participating in killing Christ? All right, let's think of this a little bit further. Let's expand that out, okay? Let's expand it out to this. Did Jesus die for the sins of all mankind? The answer is yes. So what does this mean? Since all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, what does this mean? This means even though we were never anywhere near, and even in that time period, to participating in killing Christ, we still have done so because of our sins. Now here Acts 2, and let's pick it up in verse 36. Acts 2 and verse 36. And this is the beginning of the preaching of the gospel to the world. Therefore let all the house of Israel know with full assurance that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So if he died for the sins of the whole world, that means since all of sins come short of the glory of God, all have participated indirectly, but nevertheless, how shall I put it, spiritually directly in crucifying Christ. So then here is the change, and here is the moment. Here is the moment of awareness that we all have to come to. And of course, as we grow in grace and knowledge, the more that we will see the depths of our own human nature and the more that we will be repenting. Okay. Verse 37. Now after hearing this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you yourselves shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That is the missing ingredient that all human beings need to be complete. We're never complete unless we have the Holy Spirit of God. And so here it shows how it comes. So we're going to see also how then it works. And what is it that God is doing? How is he doing these things? And how do we yield to God and cooperate with God and work with with the Spirit of God and let the washing of the water of the Word cleanse our hearts and our minds and our emotions? Okay? Now let's come back where we started last week. Let's come to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians 5 make holy okay Ephesians 5 25 now verse 26 so that he might sanctify it that means to make it holy so the whole process of conversion is coming from the heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked to one that love God to one that loves other people to one that obeys God and one that has Christ as their head, might sanctify it. 
be changed from carnal to spiritual. Now notice, having cleansed it with the washing of the water by the word. So it's the whole church. This applies to everyone. This is how God, with his spirit, works with us and works with us through prayer. Because everything that we are and everything that we think and every experience that we have gone through is registered in our minds. And some people say, well, how can I forget? Well, we'll discuss that. But the thing that causes people problems is this. When they mentally and emotionally relive those bad experiences and what they've done, relive the sins, or some problem or thought comes to the mind and you can't get rid of it, see, that's when you go to God in prayer and get on your knees and ask God, please cleanse my mind with the washing of the water by the word. That's God's spirit. Because as we saw, God wants to give us his love, his truth, written in our hearts and in our minds. And that's all part of the washing of the water of the word to sanctify us and cleanse us. See? Now here's what he wants that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it might be holy and without blame. Now, that's how we want to stand before God. Because, see, when you repent, we're going to see something here in just a minute. What happens when you repent? What happens when you go to God and say, Oh, God, forgive me my sins? Sometimes people say, Well, I don't know if God can forgive my sins. Well, let's come to Matthew 12 and let's see something that Jesus said concerning sins and forgiveness. Now, a lot of people worry, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Well, the answer to that is this. If you have committed the unpardonable sin, you wouldn't worry about it because you wouldn't care. See, now here in Matthew 12, let's pick it up here in verse... 31, can God forgive your sins? The answer is yes, if you repent from the heart. Okay? Verse 31, because of this I say to you, now notice, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven to men except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That shall not be forgiven men. Now we have a whole section there in the the, uh, series on Hebrews about the unpardonable sin. That's not the point we're covering today. Verse 32, and whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this age nor in the coming age. All right? So yes, God can forgive your sins. Look at what the Apostle Paul was doing. Now there's a good example, correct? He was taking those Christians, arresting them, putting them in chains, even agreeing to the martyring of some of them, such as Stephen as we have in Acts the 7th chapter, agreeing with it, yet God called him and he repented and those sins were forgiven. 
So yes, our sins can be forgiven. Let's come here to Psalm 86 because someone is going to say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, the way you pray is get on your knees and go to God and talk to him. He will hear you. He will answer you. Okay, now Psalm 86 is a great psalm so that we can understand something very important in how God deals with us when we repent. And how God looks upon us and how willing that God is to help us. Because you see, if you don't think that God can help you, then you're accusing God, contrary to his word, that one, he doesn't love you, two, he doesn't care for you, three, that he, he won't give you uh, the spirit of repentance. Now notice how David prayed this psalm. Verse 1, Bow down your ear, O Lord, answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Now notice the faith, notice the humility, All of this is part of it, see. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto you all day long. So if you have some problem that is really got a hold of you, then you need to keep at it in prayer all day long. That doesn't mean you have to be on your knees. But that means that you keep praying to God to help you to overcome it. Now notice verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. God is waiting for repentance. He is ready to forgive. And he will cancel out those sins, and we will see how he does it. So when you go back, and you in your mind relive these things, because they're somewhere in your mind, then you have to go to God and say, God, by the washing of the water of the word, cleanse my mind and help me to forget. Now, the one thing you remember is the lesson. But don't go back with guilt. A lot of people have guilt. They do something or they think of their children or they they think of their relatives or their husbands or their wives and then they get a guilt complex and they worry and they can't sleep and and, uh, they, they figure, well, you know, as as I talked to a woman the other day, she just somehow all of a sudden just had a lot of guilt. And I was explaining to her about the, about the two sermons that she was going to hear about the washing of the water of the word. And don't let guilt control you. Do not let emotions control you. See, that's why we said you have to bring every thought into captivity to Christ. Because God is good and ready to forgive and rich in mercy to all those who call upon him. And so David did. And here's how he did it. Verse 6, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. Now here's the key. In a day of trouble or a time of difficulty or a stressful situation or a flood of thoughts coming into your mind that you don't want, All right, verse 7, in the day of my trouble, whatever your trouble is, I will call upon you and you will answer me. Now that's a promise, see. 
Now, sometimes you need something to help build your faith while you're praying. So how do you do that? You say, oh God, you are true. You are holy. You are the one who answers prayer. You are the one who loves me. You are the one who cares for me. Help me to really understand and help me to yield myself to you. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. Now, I remember a man who was converted for, what, 30 years. And all of a sudden, he started swearing in his mind. And he just couldn't get it out. And it was really just driving him, you know, uh, to despair. So I told him, what you need to do is just what I said. Go to God. He's ready to forgive. That's part of your mind that needs to be cleansed, washed away reprogram with the Holy Spirit of God, reprogram with the Word of God, with the Word of God written in your heart and written in your mind, and that will change your thoughts. Well, he did that. Took him about three weeks total, and he said, yep, that worked. But can you imagine? Converted 30 years, and then all of a sudden going back in his mind, cursing and swearing. You talk about a loop. You know, I throw you at the floor, a loop. I thought I was converted. Okay. Now, let's come down here to verse 10. For you are great and do wonderful things. You alone are God. Then notice what he says. Because this is the key. And the key is we are to be learning all our lives. So David says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Walking in the way of the Lord. Unite my heart to fear your name. You could say, unite my heart to love you, have faith in you, to believe in you, to hope in you, especially in times of difficulty. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your mercy toward me. I guess David really needed that, didn't he? And you have delivered my soul from the depths of the grave. See, the wages of sin is death. And he has delivered us from that death. Right, now let's see how this takes place. Let's come to Psalm 103. And here we have some more promises. More promises from God. Never forget that, okay? Psalm 103, if you get really discouraged and you get down and you're having trouble and you're fighting things in your mind and troubles are at work and troubles are at home and troubles are with other people that you know, you just go someplace, get on your knees, open up the Bible to Psalm 103, okay? And read it and make it part of you, Psalm 103, okay? We'll just start right at verse 1, okay? There we go. All right, verse 1. See, and what the Psalms do, they teach us how to pray. That's why sometimes that if, if you... You're going along, you know you need to pray, and you think, well, I don't know what to pray about. Well, there's lots to pray about all the time, see. There's never any shortages of things to pray about. But what you do is you get the Bible, you open it up, 
You get on your knees. You go like the Psalm 86 we just covered. You come here to Psalm 103. And let's see what this psalm teaches us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now this ties right in with what we are to do, right? How are we to love God? With all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and all our strength. See? Okay. And all that is within me. That's just another way of saying the same thing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All of his blessings, because there are many. Now, don't equate all blessings in the area of physical things. Because the greatest blessing is repentance, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, growing in grace and knowledge, understanding the word of God, Those are great blessings and benefits, correct? Yes, indeed. See, because even if you had all the gold in the world, it's not to be compared to a Bible. Because the gold cannot give you eternal life. The gold cannot instruct you in anything. It just sits there. And you look at it and you're you're mesmerized by how it shines and sparkles and everything. But it can't do a single thing. So the question then is, what do you do with it? Well, since we all don't have a big pile of gold, let's ask the question, what do we do with our lives, see? That's what it is, because our lives are worth more than that gold. Now notice, verse 3. Now this ties in right with Matthew 12, where, that we read earlier. Who forgives all your iniquities. Now you might want to circle all. All. Not some, but all. That's why there's the washing of the water of the word, to get rid of all the things that need to be gotten rid of. Who heals all your diseases. Now here's something that's interesting. This shows that there must be forgiveness of sin before there is healing. And they have found this. People that hold things in their minds, anger, resentment, bitterness, hatred, and all of these things are the ones who end up with some very serious diseases in their lives because all of those, how should we say, toxic thoughts, that's what they are. What they do, they cause our brain to emit toxic hormones into our system. So it's just like polluting your whole system because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And if you're thinking good thoughts and have God's spirit, then you won't have toxic thoughts. You'll have the washing of the water of the word. So if we could liken it this way, that All sin and wrong thoughts cause uncleanness internally. That's why it's said of God that he is a heart-knowing God who cleanses the heart. All right, let's read on. Verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your desires with good things, and your youth is renewed like the eagles. So that's something quite, you know, 
Just think about it now. You're on your knees. You're praying to God. You're thinking of these things. And what comes into your mind? You start thinking of everything that God has done for you, correct? You start thinking about all the good things that he has done. And then you compare that with the difficulties and troubles you're going through. And can he help you with that? Of course he can. Can you overcome it? Yes, you can. Can you learn a lesson from it? Yes, you can. Should you remember it emotionally with a guilt complex? No, you should not. Because that takes away from the forgiveness that God has given. Okay? Let's go forward here with this. Let's come down to verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in mercy. He will not always chasten, nor will he keep his anger forever. So there are times that we do things, God is angry at us, yes. God is angry at us. We need to repent of those things. He will turn his anger away. Now notice this, verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is his mercy toward those who fear him. And here's what God does with your sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Gone. Now, if you're on the earth, you keep going around the earth, going to the west, You'll never come to the east. And if you're on the earth, you're going from east to west, you'll never come to the west. It's been removed from you. Now, sometimes people feel, well, God doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand what I've gone through. Really? (laughs) Sometimes we think our our problems are so great that even God can't understand them. (laughs) But notice verse 13. As a father has compassion upon his children, so the Lord has compassion upon those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Yes, and we get old and we pass away, so forth. Verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Now that's further away than from the east is from the west, right? everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him. And of course, that is the fear where you love God. And his righteousness is unto children's children, to those who keep his covenant, to those who remember his precepts to do them. So that's quite a thing, isn't it? This is how then, through the washing of the water, by the word, it takes the word of God. It takes the spirit of God And it takes our repentance and yielding to God in order for this to be accomplished in our lives. Okay, now let's go ahead and take a little break.